You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Very, very excited for today. Not only do we get to go through some news and notes from training camp, which there really isn't a ton. Um, I mean, it's more entertaining to watch the videos on social media of guys running around being like, oh, nice, that was a good catch. Um, but we can look at the lineups. We can look at who threw to who, threw to who whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but again, nothing really earth-shattering, I guess, in terms of um, who lined up where. Um, everybody's back, I believe, at least everybody that uh, isn't excused for personal reasons, so we got no drama, unlike the Buffalo Bills, who have a pretty unusual situation going on over there. Um, might as well touch on it, I guess, for a second. Apparently, if you haven't heard, the star wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, who's a little bit of a weirdo and... Um, you probably remember him being a goofball in Minnesota, big old crybaby. I mean, literally, he's over there crying if things don't go his way. He forced his way off the team, went over to Buffalo. Well, for some reason, apparently he showed up to the mandatory portion of training camp. He was there, said, hey, what's going on? Did all this stuff, and then just walked out. He just left. And apparently, as of right now, at least, we don't know where he went. And according to uh, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, he made a comment about it and said he is very concerned. Now, in order to be very concerned, I would think you'd have to have some understanding of what's going on. Because, again, he was just there. So it's not like maybe he's in the bathroom. I don't know. We got to get a call. Uh, and maybe that's what he means. Like, we've been trying to call him. We can't get a hold of him. We're checking the bathrooms. Make sure he didn't, you know, pass out while he was using the facilities or whatever. Like, he's missing. I guess that could be the case, but I don't think so. I think we would know about, like, a police search or whatever. I think it has more to do with they have an idea of what's going on and they're not super excited about it. Um, again, he's a known hothead. Um, he's a known crybaby, which is probably a better way to put it. Um, he, he more usually, like, pouts rather than whatever. Uh, I, I know, um, again, with names, good lord. The guy from Go Long, Substack. Anyways... Uh, he had actually done an interview with uh, McKenzie or something over there from Buffalo. And the whole conversation was around, is everything okay with that dude? And the player was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes he just blows off steam or whatever. And he wasn't really buying it. He's like, I don't know. It seems like something's really wrong. So this has been kind of brewing. Something is not right. Who knows what it is? And the, the, the general consensus or thought from most people would be, well, it's a, it's a contractual thing. He just got paid. It has nothing to do with this. So he's got all his money. He's on one of the few actual Super Bowl contending teams in the NFL. The heck is this guy's freaking problem? I don't know. He's a drama queen. That's what drama queens do. They don't have to make sense. They just, um, maybe that's the point. He's been so content with everything being so good. That's just kind of the problem. Like, this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't right. Like, you know, or, you know, he thought that they were going to be great and it's been however many years. He still doesn't have a Super Bowl, so he's going to cry about it. Try to force his way over to Kansas City or something. I don't know. But anyways, let's get back to this. Um, I want to, once again, kind of go through, as I did in the past, chronologically, just because I think it goes a little smoother and a little bit easier. It starts off with a Matt LaFleur press conference. Again, from my standpoint, anyways, nothing necessarily earth-shattering from that. 
Uh, again, perfect attendance with the exception of a couple guys who are excused for personal matters. Said guys are in better physical condition than in the past. I'm sure age has everything to do with that. It's just a bunch of young, super fit guys as opposed to old guys that are like, we want to push you to be stronger and faster, but you're old, so I guess you're fine. Um, they did kick training camp inside because of the rain, which does suck. It's going to be like perfect, to, perf- in my estimation. Um, again, as I get older, I'm turning into an old person who wants the house at 80 degrees all the time. Not literally, but used to be like seven degree, 70 degrees was perfect weather. Now 80 is perfect. It, 70 is like, I don't know, if there's a breeze, it's a little chilly for me. <laughs> I'm not even a Wisconsinite. I don't understand. But anyways, it's going to be perfect weather, like exactly 80 and not a cloud in the sky all week, except for today where it's like 50 and freaking raining. Um, So they kicked it inside, which did mean some limited activities, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, He did say everything has been installed. So uh, this uh, program here is just going to be kind of a review for everybody. And um, obviously, Jair and them should be relatively comfortable with it. However, we'll be going over that in a little bit, it sounds like. Jair might have had a little bit of rust today. He kind of got beat up on. <laughs> Sounds like Jordan Love was just picking on him all day. He had a couple good plays, but yeah. As far as news and notes on what happened on the inside, Dontavian or Tay Wicks has uh, his helmet on and is stretching. He missed the last two OTA practices that were open to the media. Take that as a good sign. Still no helmet for Eric Stokes, but he's moving around, going through stretches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm just going to say this, because this is the portion where there's just kind of like, you know, guys run a route and they throw a pass, and it's it's pretty simple. And honestly, I usually don't like most of them, because it's the passes all seem like, why did, didn't you throw it further? It's like, because they're jogging. They're not supposed to be sprinting. <laughs> but let me just come out and say this. My favorite person watching, although Musgrave has been fantastic, I don't know if it's been mentioned a ton, it is by far Christian Watson. I'm all about Jaden Reed. I like how twitchy he is and all that stuff. Christian Watson is just another kind of dude, man. He is so freaking fast and so freaking smooth, and I'm not just talking about in a straight line. Any kind of route that I've seen him run, he's just so freaking fast. I I just, I am unbelievably excited about him. You know, again, a lot of talk about Dobbs, and he had a great day today as well. I don't mean to denigrate him or Jaden Reed or anybody else. I'm just saying what when I'm watching it, yes, it's shorts or, in this case, pants and t-shirts or whatever, but it's just the way he moves. It just looks so effortless. You know, when you watch a lot of guys running routes, they're, they're really... Tr- I mean, and that was one of the beautiful things about Devontae. Um, although it was, you know, obviously in a different way. But just the way he moved was so smooth and effortless. It didn't look like he was thinking. He was just... His body was just going places. And again, Watson's a little bit more vertical. But it, it just looks so unbelievably pretty to me. Little nugget. Apparently, Waukegan, another city in Chicago, is reaching out, or in, in the Chicago area, is reaching out to the Bears about possibly being a host city. I think that whole thing is hilarious. Man, I just, I, I it's, it's a, I wish, I gotta, I gotta get over to YouTube. <laughs> I can't show you anything, but just the, the, the way Watson, I, I know I'm back to that. I just saw a video of him. The way he can sink his hips and just change direction is also very underrated. And to be able to do it at a high rate of speed and to be able to get back up to a high rate of speed and having a really big catch radius. And I, so so I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm, I'm able to put these guys in their little bubbles in terms of how I visualize them. Um, I think Watson and Musgrave are very similar just from different 
positions, right? Musgrave isn't as fast and isn't as fluid, but very fast, very fluid, very big catch radius type of guy. Jaden Reed, I think, is like the, in my opinion, the best pure wide receiver. And I mean that from a speed route running, but also hand standpoint. As, as smooth as, and I don't mean to jinx him, but as smooth as uh, Watson is fluid as a runner or whatever, he also is, that is Reed, is also that way as a catcher. Yeah, he makes everything look easy. He gets in and out of his breaks like it's no big deal. He gets up to speed like it's no big deal. He catches the ball like it's no big deal. And again, I, I, I don't know how else to put Dobbs other than to say he is in the same camp as Reed. I just don't see him on that same level. Although he's clearly outplaying Reed right now, at least, you know, I, who knows how these things are going. But as far as getting open and, and making plays and whatnot, He's got the heart factor. I'll, I'll give him that. And maybe that puts him over the edge as far as Reed or whatever. And then for Tucker Craft, the dude's a freight train. Right? You look at him, he's like, well, he's not as fast and he's not as fluid. He's got great hands. And just there's something about the way that guy runs. It's like he runs with his thighs. He runs with so much power. And as soon as he catches it, it's like he tries to turn up field and kill somebody. So that's just kind of how I see these guys. I can't wait to see him kind of, you know, obviously in a uh, month, month and a half or so, actually playing a little bit more. A uh, note from Ryan Wood, Packers not participating in minicamp include Dallin Lovett, Eric Stokes, Tavarius Moore, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, Jake Hansen, Tyler Davis, Grant DeBose, Chris Slayton. No sign of Moore or Garvin. Matt LaFleur said it was perfect attendance other than a handful of players who are excused. So the Garvin thing is, is definitely interesting because, I mean, honestly, I think he's, I, I think he's probably gone, if I had to guess. I mean, there, there's certainly a path to him making the roster, but... You know, skipping OTAs is a really big no-no, and I think he's been allowed to do it because we've we've not really had a lot of options. He's just our best. You know, we we've got what two decent pass rushers, one of them being Preston, who's kind of iffy, and then we got constant injuries to Zedarius and Rashawn and all. So we we never really even have anything, and so Garvin is always just right there as sort of the number two, number three, number four, whatever we need. But he always has to be in that position, right? It's he just we can't really do it without him. However, if it's an excuse thing, then we kind of scrape that off the slate, which I know he has a history of this, but maybe this is different. I don't know. Maybe he really wanted to be here and something came up. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But he needs to get in the building and do it fast and start making an impression because I think as of right now, if the Packers had to just slap together a 53 based on what they know, he is not on the team. That is my estimation of the situation. Um, Lots of videos I've seen about Tyler Goodson. I don't know if that's just a lack of... um, uh, views of other guys. I mean, it seems like the only running backs I ever see that are highlighted in these videos are Tyler Goodson. Now, that makes me happy because I'm a big Tyler Goodson fan, and I'm hoping that it's just because he looks impressive, and that's why people are doing it. I kind of think there's just a Tyler Goodson hype train, so everybody just wants to get views of him. But he does look really good. I, I mean, I've always really liked him, and I hope that he's able to make the team, although I think it's kind of a stretch. A couple of the really nice plays in camp kind of happened back to back, at least as far as the stuff that we were able to see. Some of the other nice things in team or whatever it's called um, came later. But Josiah DeGuaro with a really nice one-handed catch. Ball was a little bit out in front of him. He kind of leapt in the air, reached his one hand out, and was able to catch it. And then uh, shortly after, you had Samore Ture laying out for a pass, which if I had to guess... I would guess the coach, the the coaches kind of slapped him on the hand for that because I don't think you're supposed to be laying out for passes in uh, in, in this stuff. But it's one of those things too where I think they're going to slap him on the wrist and say don't do that again. But at the same time they're going to look at that and say, see, I like this guy. They want guys that want to do that. 
they just can't tell you that they want you to do that. Because obviously, you know, don't you get hurt and stuff. The pass that wasn't on tape, Andy Herman says, oh man, I just got a glimpse of love to Musgrave. Seam route in the end zone, and it was gorgeous. Was it against air? Yes. Do I care? No. Uh, Darnell Savage isn't just replacing Adrian Amos as leader of the safety room. Looks like he's Pat O'Donnell's new personal protector on punts, a role Amos filled. Wes Hodkowitz says, half speed, uh, guessing that's team periods. But Rudy Ford gets the call with the ones next to Darnell Savage. He says, today, as though that's different. It's literally been that every single day that we've seen. And then we finally get some team stuff here. Starting offense, starting defense. Aside from Ford and Savage, we got... um, Love, and then Bakhtiari, Elton, Myers, John Runyon, and Tom, which is, again, I think that's just what it's going to be. You've got uh, Musgrave starting at tight end, Jones at running back, and then Dobbs and Watson at wide receiver. Uh, Defense, it's Clark and Slayton on the inside. Smith and Hollins, again, on the outside. So, again, we saw Wyatt, and we saw um, Lucas Van Ness taking over with the ones. And, And obviously, these guys are getting rotated in with the ones. It's just, how does it start, you know? So now we're getting Slayton back in with Clark, and then Hollins again taking over as that dude with Smith, which, again, I'm just kind of dumbfounded by that. Um, I mean, I know we brought him in, and I know they kind of liked him. I guess I just underestimated how much they really liked the guy. So um, don't really need to wonder about whether or not he's going to be on the 53. It, as of right now, it sounds like he's our, I guess, number three edge rusher until Lucas Van Ness can kind of establish himself a little bit. And by three, I mean two, because Rashawn isn't playing right now. Uh, linebacker Quay and Campbell. And then finally, so good to see it, Jair, Douglas, and Nixon are the starting corners, along with, again, Ford and Savage. Some other notes, uh, Colby Wooden was getting rotated in with the ones. Jaden Reed also was out there, I guess, you know, depending on if they're a slot or whatever. But Samori Ture also got a couple shots with the ones after Jaden Reed. And then Yash Nyman. By the way, I, I somebody told me a long time ago it's Yosh as in Yoshi. I understand that. Yash is so ingrained in my brain, it is what it is. Uh, Yash Nyman working with the ones at right tackle behind Tom. Still a long way to go there. Zach Tom also getting some center reps with Jordan Love when uh, Yash rotates in at right tackle. So they're kicking him into center. So we could kind of take it to the point where we're like, well, I guess that means he's the number two center. It could be. Maybe they're just trying to see if he can do it, and he may not even be on the list right now as, as an option. But they're, they're really hammering it to see if that could be a thing. Uh, Andy Herman, by the way, uh, Andy Herman apparently made an announcement today that he, uh, or yesterday, I guess, was able to quit his job and will be doing this uh, Packers thing full time. That always gets me extremely excited, but also extremely depressed when you see those announcements. I remember, <laughs> remember when uh, Tom Grassi did that a year or two ago or whenever that was and was super pumped about it, but also was like, oh, man. I want to do that. So, congrats to him. Here's what he says. Packers are separated into two ends of the field right now, basically the ones and the twos. Very interesting to see Malik Heath get uh, the opportunities to work with the group that's primarily starters. Paul Brettel adds on to that. He says, as I've mentioned previously, keep your eyes on UDFA Malik Heath, who has made a nice catch in each practice. Today, he is in the group of offensive players that consists primarily of starters. So, we will have to make a note of that and check out Malik Heath. Uh, Anders Carlson starts off the kicker. He was good from 41. He missed right from 44 and then was good from 47. When I first saw that, my thought was, it's not terrible. I think Mason Crosby generally was probably about four for five. Whenever you'd see him in like training camp and stuff, there'd be five kicks. I mean, sometimes there'd be a lot more than that, but out of five, I would expect him to make four. That was pretty standard. So um, one for three isn't the same ratio, but you figure, hey, if he can, if he only missed two on his outings, I think that's acceptable. We'll get more on that in a minute. 
Um, they tried another pass up the seam from Love to Musgrave, except this time perfectly covered by Devondre Campbell. Jordan Love on a scramble play, looking for Romeo Dobbs in the back of the end zone. Razul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon get a hand on it and let him know it. Ryan Wood also chimes in, says, Interesting development. Malik Heath, rookie receiver from Old Miss, working in quite a bit with the starters. 7-on-7, seven seven, Romeo Dobbs just beat Jair Alexander and made a sliding catch in the very back corner of the end zone. Huge stuff from Love to Dobbs. Jair's coverage was good on the play. Was Hodkowitz added to it, says, Defense wins the first four plays of 7-on-7 seven seven red zone, but Love drops a dime in for Dobbs on a corner fade over Jair. Beautiful play. Then Jair with blanket coverage on Reed in the next play. Two plays later, Love gets Romeo in the corner of the end zone, who times the leap perfectly over Jair. Offense mobs him in celebration and has some friendly trash talk for Jair. So I think the way that this goes chronologically, because we're kind of bouncing around, is uh, the sliding catch in the corner of the end zone to Romeo Dobbs. Then trying to hit Reed, but Jair breaks it up. Then Dobbs freaking mosses Jair again. So <laughs> that Love to Dobbs connection, man. First, you get a sliding catch, and then the second one, you got uh, Dobbs going up over Jair and catching it. And then you got the offense getting in Jair's face and talking trash. Uh, Kyle Malzahn says, this Jordan Love to Romeo Dobbs connection is getting serious. They're in shorts, so take it for what it's worth. But Love just threw one one to Romeo Dobbs in the corner of the end zone. Dobbs makes a great catch against Jair and comes down with the touchdown. And and that's what I'm saying. Like I think Jaden Reed has better tools than Romeo Dobbs, but Dobbs is just, he is... um, He's, he's about as dialed in as you're going to get. Now, essentially, all that means and all that I'm, I'm really saying is I, I don't know how much further there is for him to go as far as his ceiling, but it sounds like Dobbs, pretty close to his ceiling, could potentially be a pretty formidable weapon. So we'll see how that all kind of plays out. But so far, it sounds like Jordan Love is putting a lot of faith in Romeo Dobbs, and Dobbs is making sure to reward him for that. And that's an important thing. Then we get some more Anders Carlson, good from 49, from 51, and from 54. Paul Brettel says, you can see what LaFleur meant during his press conference when he said Carlson has power. Those kicks seem pretty effortless. So those are the longer ones. The first three were a little bit shorter. They were in the 40s, I think up to 50 or something. He missed the one from 44. Maybe it went up to 49. This is 49, 51, and 54, good from all three. So he was actually uh, five of six on the day. Uh, Herman adds, Innis Gaines finished last season getting legit snaps in the slot. He's practiced there again today. For a player like Gaines, versatility is huge. Oh, and uh, yeah, Adrian Amos signed with the Jets. So, okay. Uh, Packers defense busts the coverage in 7-on-7 and leaves Ture wide open. It's all right. They're rusty. It's it's fine. Then, um, I think probably the play of the day, so I'm going to read several of these. Bill Huber kicks it off and says, Love to Watson up the left sideline over Jair Alexander for a huge gain-slash-touchdown. Herman says, Jordan Love with a dime to a blazing fast Christian Watson for a would-be 96-yard touchdown in 7-on-7. Jair was the closest defender, and he was not close. Wes Hodkowitz says, Jordan Love just unfurled a diamond, I guess, to Christian Watson deep down the sideline, hit him in stride perfectly, rocket. Malzahn says, Jordan Love to Christian Watson, deep down the left sideline, perfectly led pass, great hands by nine to hang on in stride. I'm sure Packers fans would love to see that a lot in 2023. So yeah, beating Jair for a 96-yard touchdown. I'm not mad about it. Uh, We've got Isaiah McDuffie next to Walker in the second 7-on-7 session. So little things like this, you just kind of take down and say, okay, McDuffie probably number three, maybe, not official, but let's just say for now. Nice contested catch over the middle by Musgrave, Ford in coverage. 
A little more detail from Cassidy Hill. She says, Love hits Musgrave over the middle in coverage. Rudy Ford gets a hand on it in the breakup, but Musgrave is able to bobble it out of Ford's hands and make the reception. And that right there is the benefit of having tight ends. They're just stronger than you. Uh, A.J. Dillon with a drop in the flat on the next play. Really hoping he has a good year, man. I, I just I feel like it's it's always like exciting, exciting, exciting. Eh, Dylan messed up. Anyways, exciting, exciting. Like Dylan, what are you doing, dude? Come on, man. We're tr- we want we're, we're we're in excited season. We're we're ready to get overexcited about stupid stuff. Just give us anything. All right. Stop dropping the ball and going in the locker room talking about running the wrong routes. Okay. But uh, that was about it. Practice over after one hour and thirty five minutes. You know, I spoke German, did you? <laughs> Anyways, why don't we uh, take a break right here? I don't usually ask for this, but I, 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 since I haven't asked in a while, a couple things. If you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review, that would be fantastic. Uh, if you're on Spotify, please leave a review there. I was dominating number one Packers podcast every time you type in Packers. Now I just look recently and I'm like number 19 behind who knows podcasts that don't even exist anymore. So just let them know that you're still listening and you still like it and all the ratings, reviews, and all that stuff. I hate to beg for that because I don't really care, but apparently these players care and that affects me, so please leave a review. Also, if you could do me a big favor and somewhere in there, if you if you leave a verbal comment on iTunes or whatever in your five-star review, please use the word anyways. That's anyway with an S or a Z. I would greatly appreciate that. Somebody left a one-star review because I said anyways, and so because screw him, um, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review and in any way possible any ways possible, put the word anyways. If you could use that in all your discussions, all of your tweets, I'm, I'm contemplating putting together a t-shirt that says anyways, because let's be completely honest, I think the lowest form of human being are grammar Nazis, and I put him in the category of grammar Nazis. They are the most obnoxious, stupid people on planet Earth, and the fact that he gave me a one-star review because of it, I just, I, I don't usually comment on it because it's going to encourage more one-star reviews, but this one, no. I will be saying anyways as often as I possibly can, always and forever and for the rest of my life. Anyways, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support me over there for as little as $1 per month. Or if you'd prefer a one-time deal, you could head over to Venmo Packernet Podcast. Thank you very much to where are you? Frank Cannon. Thanks a lot for your support on uh, the podcast. Anyways, please, <laughs> I said it again. Anyways, please remember to uh, show some support. If you have not, there is a uh, GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter. It is now over $4,000, which is fantastic. However, they have a goal of 25000 so there is a long way to go. Remember, they have two funerals to go through. Um, there is a lot of cost associated with that, and uh, every little bit counts. So far, there's only 43 donors. And I know I say this for myself all the time, but if everybody listening just went there and gave a single dollar to a family whose little girls just had their mother murdered and left in an alley, I know it's a pain. I know you probably have to get payment set up. I know you'd have to go over to Twitter and then go to my profile and then click on the post and then click on the link and then da 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 It's a pain and you don't feel like doing it and I get that. But all I'm saying is we have an opportunity to ease a lot of pain that they're going through. And so if you are able, please, 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 I'm dead serious, a dollar, 50 cents, I don't know how low they let you go, whatever you have, please send it over. We'll take a break, we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, um couple different things here. I got three different things I would like to get through. What the heck is Supernova? So I had two different people kind of reach out about a uh, situation and give their thoughts on it, and that is the Daniil Hunter situation. Uh, Start off with Todd over on Patreon. That is Mr. Numberman. It says, Daniil Hunter is pretty easy explanation. Vikings are in a true full rebuild. They were 27th DVOA last year. They're way worse than most think. Vikings know it. Hunter is entering age 29, eighth year. He's already old, going to be very expensive, as you noted, still has great value. Three years from now when the Vikings will be looking to compete, he won't matter, but his trade picks will be prime age. This is actually how a team should rebuild, dump anything of value, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think I generally kind of agree, at least in terms of, you know, trade somebody early while they're still valuable. I guess there's a couple issues the first one is, I don't know that anybody goes in... May, maybe they do, I don't know. I can't imagine too many teams go into a rebuild and view it as a three-plus-year rebuild. Like, you know, we're, we're going to tear it down and use the money to start rebuilding. And, and by the way, the rebuild starts today with the draft. So we're not ready in 2023. We're not ready in 2024. We're not ready in 2025. Three-year rebuild. But in 2026, we'll be ready to go. And at that point... Daniil will be 33 and expensive and it doesn't make any sense. So I I don't think so, at least in terms of them viewing it as a three-year rebuild. And and part of the reason I struggle with that is Kirk Cousins. He should not be on the team right now. There's no reason for any team that says we are not even going to try to remain competitive for the next three years to hold on to Kirk Cousins with these monstrous contracts. It makes significantly more sense to dump him, tank your season. I mean, you're already doing it with Daniil. But then on top of that, you've also got guys like Brian O'Neill, which is not that different. He's actually the um, highest paid guy on the team, and he's 27, just one year younger than than Daniil Hunter. Very, very crucial piece. But again, if we're talking about, you know, what's he going to be, 32? 
Harrison Smith is still there. He's 34 years old. He should be gone. Again, Kirk Cousins should be gone. Maybe they just don't carry as much trade value. But the other component to this is, I think they are actually trying to work out a contract with Daniil. I mean, that that's. I don't think it's been the Vikings have shut off contract talks. I think Daniil wants more than they're willing to pay, which probably does go into what you're talking about. But I don't think it's it's kind of a you know they came into the season saying this guy's got to go because it doesn't make sense from us for us. I, I think they. Uh, I think it's Daniil Hunter that walked away from the table saying, I want another big contract, and the Vikings are like, all right, we can work something out. And the numbers are coming up with Daniil is not super excited about. But I don't know for a, for a fact that he isn't going to get something done. I mean, he's walking away uh, in protest from the team, and we'll see. I don't think he's coming back, but that is a possibility. Anyways, so I, I, I don't necessarily disagree, Todd, but I, I think it's... In terms of you saying it's a pretty easy explanation, I don't think it's that easy. I think they are in contract talks with them. I don't think they view it as a three-year rebuild. And I also think that if it was that easy, again, Kirk Cousins would not be getting these one-year contracts every single year. He should have been gone because it just makes a lot more sense. Again, as with Harrison Smith and Brian O'Neill might be cost prohibitive because he just got a contract. But as starting next year, I think it's doable to say that he needs to go, assuming this is a three-year deal, but he's not going anywhere. He's going to be there the entire time. The other uh, comment I got actually came from the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Mr. Peter Larson, who is a regular listener and Vikings fan, shot me a message and said, I don't think the Vikings are actively trying to trade Hunter. Rappaport's segment, uh, uh, segment is that teams are calling the Vikings about him. The Vikings have had trade calls for Hunter for like three years now. So his contention is similar to what happens with the Packers all the time when you hear, um, you know, the uh, the Packers are in on conversations. It's like it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So teams are calling the Vikings doesn't mean that the Vikings are interested. His thought is that because they've shipped off so many veterans already, they're kind of sending up signals that they are in this rebuild phase. So some people are looking at it. They're like, hey, this guy's coming to the end of his uh, his contract, so he's kind of cheap, but he's also getting a little bit old. Maybe he doesn't quite fit with your scheme or whatever anymore. Maybe, I don't really know. Flores is a different animal, but it's still kind of a hybrid deal. What do you think? And a bunch of teams are calling, kind of like when a bunch of teams called about Aaron Rodgers back in the day, and the Packers just said, no thank you. So the point is, we know teams are calling, and we know that the Vikings are picking up the phone and listening, but we don't actually know how much interest there is in the Vikings moving on. And I think that's fair enough. Here is what I wanted to play for you today, though. This is a video of the Minnesota Vikings head coach speaking on the Daniil Hunter situation. And before I play it, I, I just want to give you a, um, a a peek into my thought process on this press conference. First of all, he came out in front of this whole thing. In other words, in other, he, he didn't want to take questions. He wanted to address it his way in a prepared statement to start things off. Here's what I was listening for, though, because we've been through this with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae and a bunch of other stuff. I'm listening for him to say, we want him back. That's it. Just say the words, we want him back. We're trying as hard as we can. We're doing everything we can to get him back. He's important to our defense. Anything, any one comment saying, we want him back. And I was listening, and I was listening, and I was listening. Here's what he said. Um, I know a lot of you guys might have some questions uh, regarding Daniil and his absence. Um, the only thing I would just say is I've got all the respect in the world for Daniil as a player, a leader, a person on our team. Again, so as soon as he started with that, it was like, okay. that's First of all, that's exactly, exactly almost word for word what he said about Dalvin, who they just kicked out the door. 
right? So I have respect for him. Okay, anyways. Um, those uh, those situations, you know, we always, I know I don't want to speak for Kwesi, but we feel very strongly about being solution-oriented. With We want to be solution-oriented. First of all, the heck does that mean? That's the dumbest nothing crap statement I've ever heard. Everybody's solution-oriented. Like there's something to do and we need to do something about it. Wow. <laughs> you mean like when there's a problem, you try to figure out what to do? Solution oriented, and and that's the thing. Why would you say solution oriented? Why don't you say you, you? Why don't you tell us what the solution is you want? Is the solution is the outcome that you would like to happen to have Daniil Hunter back? I mean, it's staggering to me. And what I mean, I'll let you listen to the rest of it. There's uh, 16 seconds left. It's staggering to me that you wouldn't flat out come out and say we want him back. Everything. Uh, that comes about and uh, you know this is this uh, you know exists this example just like a lot of the other ones uh, that have come up uh, we'll do the same and uh, we hope uh, to have continued dialogue and, and and have a really I thought that was it I thought that and we hope we hope what to have him back no we hope to have continued dialogue two seconds left positive uh, outcome positive outcome they 100,000 percent are trying to trade him I, I, I don't want to sound like Colin Coward now, but having done this for a while and listening to press conferences, this is the most blatantly evasive series of comments that I've ever heard and, and, and doing everything they can to say everything except we're trying to keep him. He honestly, I don't even think, that, maybe I'm wrong, did he even once say we're having dialogue with Daniil? Usually you would at least say we're, 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 we're having continued dialogue with him to, to try to see that it, nothing. He said, I have respect for him, which, which right away is a red flag that they're kicking him out the door. Again, it's exactly what, it's, it's what everybody says about everybody that gets walked out the door. It's what the Packers said about Aaron Rodgers. We have the utmost respect for him. It's what Gutekunst said, and Gutekunst has no respect for Aaron Rodgers. But his blanket statement was, I got the utmost respect for him as a player and everything he's done for the organization, blah, 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 blah. That's what they said about Dalvin Cook. I got the utmost respect for him, blah, 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 blah. Then it goes into, we want to be solution-oriented. Well, frickin' duh. Everybody is solution-oriented. You mean you want to find a resolution? See, here in Minnesota uh, with the Vikings, what we try to do is we try to figure out what to do about stuff. You know what I mean? Like, a problem arises and we try to figure out what to do. We try to come up with a solution. It's a different way of doing things over here. And, and just the double talk and just the nonsense and the, the, the stuttering and, and he's constantly going down and reading. Why is he reading? Because he has a prepared statement and I'm sure that list of, on that paper says, do not say with a list of phrases and words on there. Incredible to me. Now, the only possible thing that I could think is that they're saying, because this is a negotiation between the Vikings and Daniil, and for the sake of leverage or whatever, we don't want to make any overt comments about, you know, anything that sounds like we are, you know, th th there's some desperation here. We're trying to, to play it cool, like, you know, I mean, whatever happens, happens. It's not a big deal. But I think that's a bunch of BS. And, and again, the Packers never did that. It was always, of course, we want him back. Because that's the other thing. From a PR standpoint, you want to be the good guys in this discussion. You don't want to step in front of Vikings fans and be like, we don't even care. Who needs that guy? You think Vikings fans are going to be like, yeah, dude, seriously. No, they're going to look at you and say, are you out of your freaking mind? From a PR standpoint, usually both sides are the, like, look at the Bears and Roquan. 
last year. It was all posturing about who wants who and who doesn't want who. Bears are like, oh yeah, we definitely love Roquan and all that stuff. Roquan's like, oh, I want to be a bear. And he showed up to all the stuff and and he won the PR battle because he he showed, he's like, I only wanted to be here and I just want to be paid for blah, blah, blah. That's usually how the PR thing works. So I don't think so, but that's the only out I could think of is just for the sake of, of a heated negotiation, we're going to try to play it cool. You know, I don't want to sit here and try to hold a hard line on a low ball offer while you're out there talking about how desperate we are to get him back. But I don't think so. This sounded to me like a team that was dancing around the fact that they're really not trying to work very hard to bring him back, which again is pretty shocking to me. Not to, not to Mr. Numberman. And again, I kind of get it, but I mean, 28 is not old, man. I mean, the Packers did a rebuild in a year. It really doesn't take that long when you start purging some of your expensive players to, to dr- have a pretty good draft, patch up a couple holes, go out in free agency, patch up, pack up. I mean, look, they, were, they won. How many games did they win last year? I know it was mostly fraudulent, but for crying out loud, I don't even think this needs to be a full teardown and rebuild for the Vikings. I really don't. They've got a quarterback. They've got an offensive line. They, they, they've, I mean, they can run the ball just fine, and even if they can't, fine. Freaking go find anybody. Who cares? It's a running back. You've got maybe the best wide receiver in football. you got TJ Hawkinson at tight end. You drafted another wide receiver. You've got two really good pass rushers right now, assuming you don't trade them away. You've got very young DBs at safety and corner, two uh, second-year players. What do you need? And they already went out in free agency and got a linebacker. I don't know if he's going to be any good, but like, what do you need? You need some better defensive tackles, maybe another corner and another safety to, to replace Harrison Smith, who, by the way, is still on the team and could be a good good safety. I mean, they're a team right now where if everything just breaks the right way, because again, remember, we didn't really even see Booth or Scene last year. If both of those guys can come out in year two and actually play and actually be good, and Harrison Smith is good, and your two pass rushers are good, you might have a couple deficiencies. But with the offense that you have, you've got a really good football team, and you are probably the best team in the NFC North. So it's another reason why it's like a full tear, a teardown of what? How many overpaid 30-year-old-pluses are there on the team? Zero. Well, Kirk, but he's a quarterback. So I don't know, man. I, it, I mean, do what you got to do. I'm, I'm happy about it. Please tear this down. Give up on yourselves. Hopefully they don't figure it out until Justin Jefferson's like 30 years old. <laughs> and then what? I mean, guys don't last that long, man. You start talking about taking two, three, four years to figure this out. The, the, the guys that were very recently on rookie contracts suddenly are, you know, getting close to their age 30 looking for their third contract. And it's, you know what I mean? It's, things cannot take that long. You got to do these quick turnarounds or you're, you're first of all, you're not going to have a job. That's, that's the other problem with this. Kwesi can't take three years because he won't be here three years if it takes that long. If they completely tank this year and he's like, hold on, I only need, you know, two more years. Give me two more bad years. And then and then after that, we might be good, assuming I draft people that are really good and find some free agents and all that, which of course is not a guarantee. But just give me, there's no way. But again, I don't care because Daniil Hunter's a good football player and I want him to go away. That's it. I don't want him in the NFC North. I don't want him, you know, attacking Zach Tom, trying to get Jordan Love. I don't want that. I mean, you're talking about swapping out Daniil Hunter for what? DJ Wonham? Maybe Patrick Jones can kind of do something? Good Lord. And if they're doing this because of Patrick Jones, that is that is whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Kwesi. That's all I'll say. Um, all right. One more thing that we have to get to. It's uh, extremely important. We have an uh, audio clip of a Chicago Bears player 
Um, essentially just proving my theory that the Chicago Bears, as a fan base, as an organization, are a pathetic group of whiny, bitter people who have only one goal in life, and that is to complain about and wish for the demise of the Green Bay Packers. They don't have any internal aspirations. They don't care. They know they suck. They know they're always going to suck. All they care about, going all the way back to Lovey Smith coming in and saying his goal is to try to beat the Green Bay Packers, the only thing that matters to them is the Packers. Bears fans, one of their favorite things to say about Packer fans is, is rent-free, rent-free, rent-free. Dude, your, your organization exists because of the Green Bay Packers. That's it. If there's no Packers, there's no reason for you to exist. But one of these uh, bitter um, little men a completely irrelevant person on a completely irrelevant team had some comments, and here were those comments. How different is it going to be now that Aaron Rodgers is somewhere else? Uh, I wish he played one more year with uh, Green Bay, honestly. Uh, <clears throat> we went up there, and uh, we played a, we played a pretty good game, you know, but uh, they got away from us at the end, obviously, mm. and uh, they won, but their fans are really <laughs> So, um yeah, I, I wanted to go back up there, and I wanted to play him, and I wanted to beat them, and I wanted him to be there so you can see it. But the fact that he's gone now, you know, I mean, it's, it's cool. I guess it's better for him not to be here, you know. But um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to take it over. I mean, it's a good time to be a Bears fan. I'm not even gonna lie to you. So, so quite a bit to unpack there. I guess we'll get to the fan part in a little bit because he's gonna elaborate on what exactly he didn't like about Packers fans, and it's uh, interesting. Obviously, what happened is they lost twice to the Green Bay Packers, thinking that they were going to be big and bad, which cracks me up, by the way, all this talk about uh, the Bears were tanking. They were not tanking. Every single player on that team tried as hard as they possibly could, especially against the Green Bay Packers. They got beat, they got embarrassed, and the fans laughed at them and mocked them for sucking for their entire history and for all of human history in the past, present, and future. And he's still bitter and pissy about it. But here's what I found funny about it. Uh, aside from the part where he's like, it's, it's a good time to be a bit. Can we freaking... All right. So I watched um, Brett Coleman, I think is his name. He's got a big YouTube thing, but he's got a, a separate YouTube channel or something. I don't know. He's going through different teams. He just did the Packers today. I was going to watch it, and then I got other stuff going on. But I'll, I'll be sure to watch it. I'm sure it's going to be biased because he's a Bears fan. I just I listen to people explain to me why the Bears are going to be good, and I don't understand it. Like it's like they don't actually get to the part where they're good, and then just conclude therefore they're good. It's like well you didn't say anything yet. It's always stuff like they they had a, a war chest full of money and they spent that money, and you better watch it. Spent it on what? Spent it on what? Two linebackers and a guard. Why are they going to be a good football team? Why are they going to be good? Worst passer in the entire NFL is your quarterback. You might not even have a number one wide receiver, depending on which metrics you're looking at. DJ Moore was right on the bubble. You lost your running back in Montgomery. He left because he said it sucked there. And the Bears tried to pay him, and he's like, no, I'm leaving. Cole Komet is mid at best. Your defensive line, and especially Justin Jones, are a complete joke. You don't have any pass rushers anywhere along that defensive line. Your corners are a joke. You paid a massive amount of money for linebackers, so I'll just give I'll just give you that. I'll just yeah, you got great linebackers because nobody gives a crap. There isn't a single team in the NFL that's good because of their linebackers. And you maybe have a couple of good safeties. 
Brisker had a pretty good rookie year, and the other guy's been good like twice out of five years, so I, I guess there's like a 20% chance he'll be good again this year. I don't know. I'll give you that too. You got linebackers and safeties. That's about it in a run-blocking offensive line. And and just the bravado. It's, 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 it's better for Rodgers to not be here, to not have to see it. Dude, if Rodgers was here, again, this is somebody who's fully understanding that it was time to move on from Rodgers. Let's just pretend it wasn't time and Rodgers was here and was healthy. You would get freaking eviscerated. Our roster, aside from the, from the quarterback position, is significantly better than the Bears roster. It really isn't close. Better running backs, better offensive line. I will say better wide receivers. I don't care if nobody wants to agree with me. I don't care. I think we're going to end up with better wide receivers. I think we're going to end up with better tight ends. Don't know that, but I think so. Better defensive line, better edge rushers, probably better linebackers, but again, I'll just let you have that. Significantly better corners, and then I'll give you safeties. You add in MVP Aaron Rodgers compared to, again, worst thrower of the football in the NFL, and you're going to sit here and talk about, I wish he was here so he could see it? See what? That dude hasn't lost to you since... I don't know, The Office Season (laughs) 2. But more importantly, the person doing the talking is the absolute wrong person. Granted, there aren't a lot of guys in Chicago that can step up and be like, listen, I'm I'm the the man around here now. I'm the one doing all the talking. I mean, really, who is the, the supreme alpha that is in Chicago? Who's the guy that... You know, listen, I've got a lot of respect for a lot of Chicago Bears. No one more than like Jay Cutler, but, but you know, some other guys more seriously, you know, from Walter Payton to Brian Urlacher or to whatever, like these guys are legends. They're Hall of Famers. I would never, you know, I just, I, I, nothing but respect for these guys, right? Who's that guy? Who's that guy that even Packer fans have to respect? Who? I, I don't know who it is. It's not their offensive line, it's not their quarterback, it's not their tight ends, it's not their wide receivers. It's it's nobody. They don't have a guy that is going that is on their team right now that is going to be remembered in 20 years. Now, they're convinced Justin Fields is that guy. Congratulations, I'm glad you feel that way. But as of right now, there is no evidence. And that's true of DJ Moore. That's true of Cole Komet. There isn't a single guy, unless they take some massive Herculean leap, that is going to step up and be like, look, here's the way it is. There's nobody that's even really worthy of that level of respect on the entire roster. And that's true of their coaching staff. It's true of their GM. Nobody has earned a freaking thing in that entire organization. That's true of their owner and that entire McCaskey family. They've done nothing. Nobody in Chicago has done anything. But even amongst that garbage, this might be the worst player on their entire team. And he's going to pipe up. Listen, even if he's right and the Chicago Bears do take a step, and the Chicago Bears become better than the Packers, and they beat the Packers twice, and, uh, you know, they're in the playoffs, and they are, you know, winners of the NFC North and all that stuff. Even if it has nothing to do with Mr. Jones. Nothing. He is a really bad football player. He's always been a bad football player. He got absolutely embarrassed. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, while you're listening to this, pull out your phone, go to Twitter. I retweeted every single one of them, but um, Sam Holman put a thread together of all these different snaps of him against the Green Bay Packers. Remember, they were real close. They played a real good game. He said, we played a good game against the Packers, but, you know, they came back and won because, I mean, that's the, he makes it sound like that's the irrelevant part of the story. We were really good, but, you know, I mean, they, they came back and won, like, barely. and Basically, it doesn't even count. 
because we were so good. When he says we, he does not mean himself. He means he got carried by everybody else, and then they still lost. If the Bears really cared about being a good football team, I think the first thing they should do is cut the dead weight, and the dead weight's name is Justin Jones. Let's take a look at Mr. Justin Jones here real quick. Again, please, first thing before you continue, pause this, head over there. Let, let me just describe them to you, okay? Because he did a thread. The first video is against Mr. Josh Myers. Josh Myers pushes him right to the ground and then falls on him because it's funny. The next video is of Elton Jenkins. He spends what feels like 30 seconds trying to do something against Elton Jenkins, doesn't gain a centimeter of ground against Elton Jenkins, and then when he tries to move to the side, Elton Jenkins throws him on his face, and it didn't even take a lot of force because the guy's balance is zero. The next clip, he again is against Elton Jenkins, try he can't get anywhere, so what does he do? He tries to work his way down the offensive line. So he goes over to Josh Myers. Josh Myers is there. He continues trying to go to John Runyon. Runyon turns for one second, barely taps him, and he goes flying. And he fell back on his butt. Then Josh Myers, because again, it's funny, go ahead, goes ahead and frog splashes him. And then the final clip is a run play where they run right at him. Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari double team and just push him clear off the field. And you could say, well, that's cherry picking. He probably, I mean, that's four plays. He probably had like 17 really good ones. So I wanted to see because he said they did a good job and I was just curious. So I wanted to see what happened in that game. So I went over to PFF. I looked at the Chicago Bears. I clicked on their schedule. And then I looked at that second Green Bay Packers game that he was referencing. I went to game reports, clicked on defense, and uh, I'm trying to find Justin Jones's name. Let's see. Number one player was Jack Sanborn, the linebacker, the guy that is now buried down the depth chart because screw that guy. Uh, Josh Blackwell, the slot corner. I don't know what his status is, but um, I don't think he's going to be playing. And then weak side linebacker Matthew Adams, who again, screw that guy. All right, after that was 60, 60, 60, 60, 60. That's it. And then you get down into the 50s with Taco Charlton, Angelo Blackson, Elijah Hicks, Dominique Roberts, uh, Robinson, Travis Gibson, DeAndre Houston Carson. I can't find the guy. Where is he? Andrew Brown, 54. Jalen Jones had a 52 grade. Mike Pinnell had a 52 grade. And then, oh, there he is, dead last. Justin Jones, it goes from a 52 down to a 38. 52 is the second lowest. He had a 38 grade with a 33.8 run defense grade, 57 pass rush grade, 68 tackling grade. Was it just one bad game? No, it wasn't. He had two good games all year and ended the season with a 45.8 PFF grade, 43.4 run defense, 58.9 pass rush grade. He had 27 pressures on 400 attempts, which is a pass rush percentage of 6.76, we'll call it 6.8%. That's pretty hot garbage. He only had three sacks, which, believe it or not, in year five was the best year he's ever had in terms of sacks. He had two last year, one the year before that, zero the year before that, and two the year before that. And no, he's never been a guy that's had like 20 snaps and like didn't play. This is by far the most he's played, but every year it's been about 400, 500, about 500 snaps. This year about 750. On the defense, he was the third worst defensive player as far as guys that actually played a substantial amount. Angelo Blackson was the worst with a 35 grade. Mike Pinnell had a... F actually, he was tied. I'm sorry. He was the second worst. He and Mike Pinnell 
also a defensive tackle, were tied for second worst with a 45.8 PFF grade. This do, And by the way, he's all ramped up about this rivalry. The Bears are in an actual rebuild and should be. Again, I, I discussed how I don't feel like the Vikings necessarily need to be in a rebuild. Their defense is terrible, but again, we don't know what scene and and uh what's his name are going to do maybe they can step up and if they do that's that's massive they've got two pass you know again they got to patch a couple holes this doesn't need to be a massive we don't need to get rid of our core players over that just fix the issues the bears have nothing they have nothing and so they're starting over from scratch but you know what the big part of what they're going to be doing is replacing the garbage as fast as possible and i promise you Justin Jones is near the top of that list. He was a free agent acquisition last year. He was absolute dog vomit. He is maybe the weakest link on this entire team, with the exception of their quarterback, who can't throw to save his life. And as soon as the Bears find an opportunity to replace him, they're going to. The only reason he even has a job here is because they have nobody that can play defensive tackle. Nobody. He ranked 111th out of 127 defensive tackles. In fact, he might not even be playing that much anyways, depending on Demarcus Walker and Andrew Billings and their status as far as, you know, whether or not they can play. By the way, the Bears are the kings of fool's gold this year. They, they keep picking up guys who have been terrible their entire careers but had one good year. That's what they did with uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds had his grades for four years, 57, 59, 41, 48. Just absolutely horrible. And then last year he had an 82 grade, and they're like, oh, let's go get him. And they paid him as though that had been what he's done his entire career. Um, then you look at Andrew Billings. He had a 76 grade last year. He had a 47 grade the year before that. Then you look at Demarcus Walker. He had a 73 grade. He had a 60 grade before that. I mean, none of these guys have ever really been any good, but they had this sort of like flash in the pan year, and the Bears are like, dude, they were so good last year. Have you, have you looked at their, their body of work at all? A lot of guys have like these big breakout years and they don't stay there. But anyways, the point is, this guy is all jazzed up about a rivalry that he's not even going to be a part of probably next year. If he even makes the team this year. I don't know if he will. He's horrible. He's really bad. Anyways, he's got some more uh, clarifying to do in terms of uh, why it is he didn't like Packer fans. Follow-up question I never thought of asking. Which ways are they... Man, like, I mean, man, like, just, just the way that they're just freaking obnoxious, just yelling and all that other stuff about things that don't even matter. Like, So, here, just, just taking this piece by piece here. The Packer fans are obnoxious because they're yelling about stuff and stuff, like stuff that doesn't even matter. Okay, so, so he went into Lambeau Field and the fans were yelling and cheering and probably laughing at the Chicago Bears. All right, continuing. Like, we're not even running, we're not even running to play. You guys are talking about, oh, yeah, go green. Like, what, what are you even talking about? The game isn't even So the game hasn't started, and people are saying, go Green Bay. That's obnoxious, apparently. What, what exactly is happening in Soldier Field, uh, by the way, or any of these other stadiums he goes to? I don't understand. Is it like church? Do they just, everybody just sit quietly? See, and this is what I mean. This is just bitter pettiness. He got upset because they laughed and mocked you the entire game because you suck. You've always sucked. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers fans have been rubbing it in your face. Granted, he was only in Chicago one year, but it's just, it's been this. And I'm sure he's extra upset because the intention was, we're going to get him. We're going to get him this time. Man, oh man, we're really going to smash him. And it was in Lambeau Field. We're going to shove it in their face because they did it to us the first time. Now we're going to do it to them. 
and you go in there and you get freaking embarrassed and the fans are laughing at you. But he can't even give an example. They're just obnoxious, man. Like, like they're like cheering and stuff. Like, the game hasn't even started. Like, go pack. Like, what? Like, game. What? It's not, not even game. Wow. Okay. Profound. Started it. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, you know, y'all. <laughs> Half of them don't even know football. It's, 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 it's so weird to me. But. You know what's funny? You know what's really funny? Uh, I know somebody that doesn't know football, and it's you. Because you're really bad at it. Like, it looks like you have no idea what you're doing on the field, to be completely honest. Um, but yeah, half of them don't even know football, right? Because he's had a lot of intellectual discussion. He's not even wrong, by the way, most fans. I mean, depending on what you even mean by that. And I'm sure for him, that's like anybody that isn't in an NFL locker room doing NFL type stuff doesn't know football, but it doesn't matter because that's the entire Chicago Bears fan base. So it doesn't even matter. But the point, it's such a petty, stupid, that half of them don't even know football in comparison to what? And by the way, the, the, the people that are out there in the cold, these are the guys that are diehards that are watching every single week, probably from Lambeau Field, half of them. So to say, to, to essentially swear at them, call them or us obnoxious, not be able to give one example and then default into half of them don't even know football. I mean, look, I, I, I get it. everyone's excited, like, oh, this is going to stoke the rivalry, I guess. But somebody more relevant is going to have to say something. Because, again, this guy's not even going to be a bear pretty soon. I mean, maybe he will if they can't find anybody to replace him. But uh, I'm guessing they're going to be drafting pretty high again next year. They'll probably be able to get a defensive tackle. They could have done it this year, but the guy had all kinds of red flags, so they decided against it, I guess. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, that's why they traded back as far as they did. So it, it was an option until it became not an option. But, uh, yeah, this guy, you know... Maybe he can instill that, and then someday when a Chicago Bear becomes an actual good football player, they can start talking trash. I don't know, but this is this is the lowest common denominator on a team that has not been relevant in a very long time trying to stoke it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of working. Pissed me off. Pissed a lot of other people off. It does feel kind of good. It's like, all right, let's 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 do this, you know? It, it makes the, the, the rivalry feel a little bit more real. I just wish it was somebody that was actually relevant. I guess is all I'm saying. Should we let him finish? Let's let him finish. I don't even know what he says after this. But I'm just ready to go back out there and play. And I, I want to go out there and I want to beat the hell out of them, you know, on their field. And I want to hear I want to hear the booze then, you know, that that's what I look forward to. So <laughs> you want to hear the booze? You mean like you've been hearing in Soldier Field for two years? <laughs> Remember when weren't they uh, like chanting to have Andy Dalton come on at something at some point? Maybe it was the other way around. They were cheering for Fields, which ended up blowing up in their face because Dalton's been a better quarter, was a better quarterback. Oh, man. I don't know. It's just, again, the good thing about it is as much as it's like, ooh, he got the Packers. No, this dude is really mad. Like, he's really hurt by the fact that the Packers beat him. And that's because he's new here and he doesn't realize that's just how things go. When David Montgomery left, he's like, dude, I'm not doing this anymore. They're never going to beat the Packers. It's stupid. And he went to Detroit, and that's a team that probably will beat the Packers. Because they got a decent enough track record, at least playing the Packers tough. Bears? No. Anyways, um, tomorrow we'll look at some more of the locker room interviews and stuff and uh, hear from Jair and whatnot, some good comments and quotes and whatnot from that. Actually, you know what? We have more training camp, so maybe we'll save that for two days. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't know why I even bother telling you what's about to happen because I have no idea. You guys have a good rest of your day, night, whatever, and I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.